Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Isaiah chapter 54. We have been spending time in this, uh, this book of prophecy, and that's just, uh, it, so don't, don't get weirded out if you watch any Hollywood movies, you're like, oh, prophecy, scary, someone's eyes are rolling back and they're levitating. Like, uh, that's just a weird way uh, that, that Hollywood has distorted prophecy. Prophecy biblically means uh, someone is, is, is forth speaking or, or, or proclaiming forth what the, the, the will and desire of God is. Uh, they're just speaking, they're, they're the mouth person or the, 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 the mouthpiece for God to speak to his children. So it's, it's, a word of, it's a book of prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet and he was writing to this nation called Judah. Judah for some time was being warned by God to, to stop serving other idols, to stop putting up with, with these other gods that they were worshiping. God was saying, I, I am a holy God, I am a loving God, but I am also a, a jealous God. And as the, the most godly and biblical jealousy you can think of, not this like middle school, like, I can't believe my man is looking at that girl. Like, not, not that kind of jealousy, but a, a holy jealousy. Uh, and God said, if, if you continue down this path, I'm going to have to give you up to your heart's desires. Because as holy as I am, I'm also a God that believes in a free will. I will give you up to what you desire. So, so God removed his hand of protection after years and years and years, almost uh, centuries of, of, of putting up with this, a long fuse of putting up with this idolatry. He, he gave them up to Babylon. But here's also how, our, how great our God is. He said, this will only be for 70 years. It will take you 70 years of time out to understand that you need me. Uh, so, so he gave them up for 70 years. And now what we read about in Isaiah 54 is this, is this uh, beautiful proclamation of what is going to happen as the Lord returns his children back to him as they find themselves in a season of looming increase. I believe God wants to bring increase to this church. I mean, I'm what we saw this morning and what we experienced, the richness, the healing work of our God, I believe he wants to do that abundantly. The seats that we have here, I believe that there is a day coming, and it is coming soon, where we will have to have multiple services to fit and accomplish the Fulfill the need that God has for us to see. Increase is coming. I want to tell you this story. As you turn to Isaiah 54, I want to tell you this story. I'm reading this book called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Has anyone ever ha- had a sneeze that's been like stuck? I've had one for the last six minutes. So if you see me doing this, it's, it's not because the spirit's moving. It's because I got, I got a sneeze. <laughs> Goodness. <clears throat> I'm reading this book, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. There's a story that I want to share with you uh, that, that I read about in, in, this, in this book. A story by the, uh, of a man by the name of Lieutenant Mike Drowley. Now, he was a soldier, an a Air Force pilot. He flew an A-10. It was a fighter jet, but it was really more of a support plane. Everybody say support. It was a support plane. It would fly, uh, typically these fly above four to five miles above uh, a, a, a squad of uh, uh, soldiers, and they lay down cover fire, their support group. So although they look like, like fighter jets, they're support task. And uh, there was a point in Lieutenant Mike Drolley's career, on August 2nd, or August 16th, 2002, right after the 9-11 
attacks, less than a year after the 9-11 attacks, we found ourselves in Afghanistan fighting the war on terror. And Lieutenant Mike Drolley, this was a recently declassified mission that we've read about. Uh, Lieutenant Mike Drolley was on his first flight in Afghanistan. He and a group of 20 soldiers, Navy SEALs, were beneath on the ground, and he was about four miles in the air. They were to extract a high-value target in order to advance the, the, the mission of this war effort. So the 20 Navy SEALs had captured the high-value target, and now they were pinned down on every side there was enemy, the enemy was everywhere. They had no visual because they were in a foreign land and the enemy saw exactly where they were. Now, typically what would happen is that's where the radio would call in for an A-10 to come in and lay down some suppressive fire so these guys can get to their extraction point. However, something was different that evening. It was 11 p.m. It was a thick, thick cloud coverage. Lieutenant Mike Drolley, call sign Johnny Bravo, could not have visual, he did not have visual on the 20 U.S. Navy SEALs. Now, you're thinking to yourself with our, our modern intellect, you're like, well, can't he just put on his binoculars that we see in movies and use his, his radar and his sonar and all these cool gadgets? And this was 2002. They didn't have all of that uh, high-tech technology that we, we see in movies today and that we see in the military. So it, it was... He was running on visible uh, ability, and he was also operating from maps from 1980 that were written in Russia, Russian. He could only hear from the radio that down beneath, about three miles, his friends were experiencing fire action. He had to make a decision that moment. I could either risk my own personal safety and fly where I cannot see and go where I've never been before using maps that are completely outdated and a technology that is not up to par in order to risk my life to save 20 of my best friends or I can stay up here in the safety of the cover of the clouds. You see, another risk was that there was mountains everywhere and they didn't know exactly where the peaks were. They've never been there before. But, but Lieutenant Mike Drolley did something that has gone down in aviation history. He would go down one, one second, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, lay down some suppression fire and fly back up. He was about 30 feet from a mountain every time he would make his descent. He risked his life in order to advance the cause and protect the lives of his friends. In the same way, friends, in the same way Johnny Bravo or, or Lieutenant Mike Drolley provides support for the advancement of the military, the advancement of, of his squadron, we too have the opportunity and dare I say the, the, the command from God, the responsibility to be the support for the increase God desires to bring in this church. 
Let me say that one more time. In the same way that Johnny Bravo had to risk everything and safety in order to provide protection and cover and support for the advancement of the troops below, you and I are tasked with the command from God to be the support for this church, to support the increase and the advancement God desires to bring. We have the same responsibility. In fact, when you read John 15, verses 12 through 14, I believe that that command to be the support was at the heart of what Jesus was saying when he wrote, or when he said, this is my commandment. Ready for this? Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. We read this passage, and I believe in its context, when Jesus first spoke it, he was, he was trying to tell the disciples that, hey, guess what? That friendship I'm talking about, I'm going to display that friendship first. But once I display it, it is my command to you, church, to also do the same. Listen, this is not a, 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 an act of convenience. This is not, Jesus did not say, this is my suggestion, love one another. He didn't say, this is, this is my tip, for you to carry in your back pocket on a rainy day. No, he said, this is my, what's that word? Commandment. This is my commandment. And I've already displayed it, that we would love each other, that we would lay down our lives for one another. Now, although we know that church history would prove Christ meant this literally, there are people who have literally laid their lives down for the advancement of the gospel, and they're doing so to this day, I believe when we look at the span of time that this can also be lived out figuratively. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When, when I choose to love someone and, and put their needs over my, the promotion of my personal agenda, I'm choosing to lay down my life figuratively. When I choose to forgive, when it makes more sense to hold on to that resentment, I'm laying my life down. When I choose to handle conflict biblically, as opposed to operating under the pattern of the world and, and giving them the cold shoulder and ignoring them and, and withholding forgiveness, when I choose to forgive and handle conflict biblically, I am laying my life down for another. When I choose to serve in the body of Christ, instead of being one who is served, I'm laying my life down for the other. Listen, friends, when we choose to operate and understand the significance of us supporting the increase, say supporting the increase. When we choose to operate and understand the significance of us supporting the increase, we are obeying God and displaying our love for him. We are laying our life down for others. Let's read this passage really quick. Isaiah 54, it says this, Rejoice, childless one, who did not give birth, Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the forsaken one will be more than, future tense, remember that, will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Is God a liar? So when God gives a promise, will that promise be fulfilled? 
So in this text, in this context, and I would say in our setting for today, this is a, a, a text for our situation. God is saying, I want you to start rejoicing. Blessing is coming. You may feel like you are forsaken. You may feel like every great thing has been, a, has been purged out of your life, but I'm here to tell you that God is about to bring blessing, that increase is coming, that this church will see the greatest days it's ever seen because God is about to bring increase. So the, the mandate for the people, the children of God, is this, rejoice before you even see it. Come on, yes. Rejoice before you see it. It's an act of faith. But our God does not act on faith alone. He also acts on practicality, and he gives practical steps. How do we prepare for the increase? He says this, enlarge the site of your tent. Uh, our church is not a tent. We are a building, uh, but, but, but we are the church, right? Like, like, like you and I are the church, right? We, we are the church. There's a steeple open and sign. They're the people. Like that whole thing. Like, like we, are, we are the church. We are the church. That's not the song. Anyway, I think I sing every single week. But here he gives a mandate on how we are to prepare. Everybody say prepare. Prepare for that increase. It's coming, right? We rejoice. That's, that's the disposition of our heart. But now we got some work to do with our hands. This is how we prepare. Enlarge the sight of your tent. How do we do that? We enlarge the size of our heart. God, give me a heart for those around me. Forgive me for the times that I allow my prejudices and my biases to keep me from loving those that you have sent to me. Enlarge the sight of my tent by enlarging the size of my heart, God. Stretch out your curtains, the word says. It's another preparation. We provide protection and inclusion to those on the outside and say, hey, you're safe here. Uh, this week, I met with St. Francis Ministries. I'm going to give you a quick update. Uh, I was terrified. I met with some of the executive board and, and some, like, very powerful women. They were scary. They're walking in their high heels. They're clacking out there, and I'm just like, Ugh, super scared. And we sat down, and we met, and I'm just like, listen, I got a dream. Uh, I got a vision. God, God, God wants to do something in this city. I'm sick of children who are uh, being uh, tossed to the fringes of, of society, and I know you are too, and that's why you're working. I want to come alongside you and provide some solutions to some problems. I'm sick of the church being pro-life by holding a banner. We're more than that. We want to take kids into our homes, into our hearts, into our families. So, so, so I, I, I casted a vision, and uh, they were just like, Let's do it. So uh, I don't know what that means, but they're just like super excited. All of them were like in tears, and they're like, Pastor, you have no idea. This has made our week. I'm like, good, it's Friday, so I guess it means uh, you had a bad week. Uh, but but they were super excited, and uh, we have no idea how this is going to look like, but I, I, I can tell you this much. We are going to start offering TIPS MAPS courses. If anybody wants to be a, a foster parent, we are going to make that a possibility in this place. I have a dream that our church will be the solution to the problem of these children who are getting pulled from homes and have nowhere to go. Dozens of kids on a, dozens of children, especially those under the age of 11, have nowhere to go. We will be that answer. So we are enlarging the side of our tent, and we are stretching out our curtain. And then it also says this, do not hold back. Don't spare any expense. Don't think about a dollar amount. You give God a blank check and see what he's going to do with that. Literally saying, I'm going to provide for every vision I give you. And then he says this, lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. Everybody say support. So increase, it's coming, it's happening. Build this tent, but now you got to support this tent. We said last week that you, the only way to lengthen a rope is not by magic. It doesn't happen by magic, right? The only way to lengthen a rope, I tried to whistle, it didn't work out. Uh, so just scrape that out of the podcast. Uh, uh, the only way to lengthen a rope is by tying more rope to each other. And then he finally says, drive 
your tent pegs or your tent stakes deep. Another translation would say strengthen. Everybody say strengthen. Strengthen your stakes. How do you strengthen a stake? Um, Notice that the text does not say purchase more stakes. Notice the text does not say um, uh, fix broken ones or, or acquire some new ones. It literally says Strengthen the ones that you currently have. How do you, how do you strengthen a stake? By driving that thing deeper. The more it is into the earth and the less of the stake you see, that means the more it can support. I'm here to tell you this morning that we are those stakes and God's desire for us is to be driven deeper into the work of God, into the presence of God, to sustain and support the increase he wants to bring. Listen, I'm all about hiring people and bringing new leaders into the church. I believe that's a very biblical thing. We see it all throughout scripture, but I'm, I'm gonna tell you that when we hire people, it's not so that they can be the hired hands and do the work for you. In fact, that's an unbiblical model. The, the biblical model is found in Ephesians chapter four where it says God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the saints, equip the church to do the work of the ministry. It's not so that we can sit back and watch pastors live out their gifting and their talents. It's so that we can get into the nitty-gritty of life and activate our gifting so that we can be a vibrant church, a strong church, a powerful church, a church that is ready to support the increase God desires to bring. And guess what? You are one of those stakes. We need you. You're needed. You're loved. Yes. I want to give you a hug. Absolutely. But guess what? You need to get to work. We need you. We need you. Yeah, man, give God some praise. We need you. So how do we go deeper? 10 minutes. How how do we go deeper? Can I say this? Uh, When I was in high school, uh, I was a bit of a hippie. Uh, I I, I didn't get saved until junior. I was a junior in high school, and uh, I was, by hippie, I mean, like, I just didn't wear shoes. Uh, And it wasn't because of poverty. It was because of choice. Um, but, but I, 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 I was in this phase of just searching, right? You know that phase, like, not all who wonder are lost. I was lost. <laughs> I was wandering, and I was lost. Can I just be honest? If you don't know Jesus, man, buddy, homie, I love you, but you're lost. Um, I, I was there, and I was actively pursuing all these other religions. I was looking at, at Buddhism and Sikhism, and, and I was looking up. Uh, I, I, I even was reading into Islam, and I was looking into all these different world religions and, and New Age uh, philosophies, and I was studying everything. I wasn't eating. I had bags under my eyes. I was wearing the same pajama pants and slippers for like an entire month because I left and I wasn't in school yet, so I had like almost like six weeks of, of just like studying and studying and studying. I did not eat. I was just, man, I, I, was, I was hungry for something, and I, and I was, when somebody was asking me, hey, what are you doing? I, I would respond and say, I'm getting deep. Um, little did I realize I was getting deep into my own mess and not deep into the way God was talking about. When God considers something deep, he's not talking about intellectualism. Um, is there a need for strong theological juggernauts in the church? Yes. Is there a need for us to be uh, individuals who honor the Lord with our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Yes, Absolutely. But if you believe that going deeper means studying a theology book and getting smarter, you are missing out. There's so much more that God has for us. In fact, even when we look at scripture, the Bible tells us this, knowledge, 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge can make us arrogant, but love edifies. 
1 Corinthians 8, 1, New Living Translation tells us this. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. That last sentence. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So, so uh, another translation would say knowledge puffs up, knowledge makes bigger, but love is what supports it. So a knowledge, an intellectual pursuit without love is going to leave us lacking. That's what the word would say to us. So is, am, am I saying we shouldn't study? No, I'm saying we should. Get in the word. Read theology books. Read some N.T. Wright. I mean, some sound, strong stuff. But if I don't love, it's useless. So what is, it, what, what is intended by this mandate of us to go deeper? Three things. Three things. You ready for this? The first one is this. Show up. How do we go deeper as individuals? We show up. I'm reminded of Isaiah. Do you remember the story of Isaiah, the commissioning, commissioning of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 7 when we see him meet the Lord in, in the temple and, and it says that the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple and there was angels and they were singing holy, holy. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful image and, and Isaiah's like, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and, and God came in pure, like just a beautiful story of Isaiah's commissioning. Uh, but, but, but do you know something I realized? What, what, if, what if Isaiah said to himself when his alarm was going off that morning for his, his priestly duties, he's like, yeah, I don't wanna go this morning. Do you think he still would have heard the voice of the Lord? He had to show up. He had to show up. In fact, it specifically says, I heard the Lord ask. Everybody say heard. In order to hear someone, you need to be within earshot of that voice. If we are going to hear the voice of our God, we need to be within earshot of his voice. And I can promise you this. When you come to church, you will hear the Lord. You will hear his voice, not because of me or anything inside of me, but because of the word of God, which will be proclaimed. We need to show up. The Bible says this, the Lord asked, whom should I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. When you show up, you are within earshot of the calling of God. And when you hear that calling, you put yourself in a position to answer that call. We need to show up. We need to show up. Friends, how can we expect God to take us deeper when we show up to worship once a month and get on our knees even less than that. We need to show up. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm trying to show you that where you find yourself now in your current circumstances, as great and as blessed as you may feel, God still is not done with you yet. I feel like I'm in a great relationship with God, but I know he's got even more in store for me because that's who he is. I've, I will never hit the ceiling of my usefulness to the king for as long as I continue to submit my need to him. We need to show up. The second thing we need to do. Well, before I get to that, let me, let me, let me just finish this. My wife um, recently opened up my eyes. Um, sometimes I get so distracted by life. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about work and, and church and leadership and meetings and this and that. And sometimes on my days off, it's hard for me to disconnect. Well, my wife, as, as she, I say she's the Holy Spirit in our relationship. That girl, man, she's anointed. She is anointed. She told me recently, she's like, Steve, we have, we have 18 years. I'm sorry, we have 18 summers with our kids. 
18 summers. We're guaranteed 18 summers. After that, they can do what they want. We need to make use of every single moment we have with them. And I felt like she was speaking to me directly as a father to be more present, which I believe that's something we all need to learn. But I believe the Holy Spirit took that and took it a step further and tried to apply it spiritually. As parents, as a, as a dad, I have 18 years to try to instill the need for Jesus into my children. And if we were going to count that into weekends, 18, week, 18 years, 52 weeks out of the year, according to my math, that's about 936 weekend opportunities. Now, if the average churchgoer goes to church 1.4 times a month, if we, if we do the math correctly, that, that gives us only 302.4 services that we attend, the, the average churchgoer. If God said, I want you at my house 936 times and I only showed up 302, how, how, how many times? Uh, that's, that's less than 33%. How can I ever expect to be used by him? I, I, I don't want to be demeaning. Like some of you are like, yeah, pastor, it's easy for you to say. You get paid to go to church. I, I know. <laughs> it's the best gig ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but can I just say this? The, the, the Lord's heart in this moment is not a rebuke. He's not trying to beat you up. He's trying to call you to more. He's trying to lead you along still waters and show you that there, there, there's, there's a better place for you. There's a calling on the other side of this that I desire to bring increase to this body and, and it's completely predicated on your willingness to go deeper. And we, go, we do that by showing up. Showing up's half the battle. Right? But once we're here, what do we do? We play hard. Everybody say play hard. We play hard. What does that mean? That means you and I, friends, are called to put our giftings into action. The first way is this. Pray. Pray. If you thought I was going to be talking about serving, you're right, I'm going to talk about serving in a second. But prayer is primary. I had a pastor say one time to me, he said, Pastor Steve, God, I'm sorry, Satan laughs at our plans, but he is afraid of our prayers. He laughs at our plans and he's afraid of our prayers. When the church, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning, we should be planners in the body of Christ, but when those plans are promoted with prayer, how powerful of a recipe is that? We need to be in prayer. I'm asking you to one day this week, Pray for this church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for me that God would give us the strength and the wisdom to, to continue on this ministry through St. Francis's partnership. Pray for your involvement in this. So we are to pray. We are to live and love like Jesus. And yes, we are to serve. I, I ran the numbers. We're, when, when we average, on an average month, we have about 500 people that call MWC home. That's a great number. That's a great number. 500 people call MWC home. Yet 26% of them are serving. I believe God wants to grow this body. He wants to bless lives. But we need to play hard. If you are not on a serve team, 
this is my invitation to you. Join a serve team. Go on our website, mwcchurch.com forward slash serve. Super easy. We need you to go deeper. Last thing. Show up. Everybody say show up. Play hard. And the last one is don't quit, commit. Don't quit, commit. Thank you, Bob. (laughs) Don't quit, commit. It is too easy. I feel like a like a conductor at an orchestra. It's too easy. It's too easy to quit these days. I, I don't want to be insensitive. I, my, my, my parents were divorced as when I was growing up, but uh, I read some statistics on, on divorce, and if that's you, friend, I love you. You are loved here. You're, no one is disparaging here at this moment, but I just want to, I just want to bring up a, a statistic about, about the propensity to quit. And I know every marriage ends for different reasons, but but hear my heart here. I read a statistic recently that said 75% of couples who are in circle groups of friends who are going through divorce, 75% or they are 75% more likely when their friends are getting divorced to divorce themselves versus friends who are one friend removed from that situation, they are only 30% more likely. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because when you are in a setting or in an atmosphere where, where you see the, how easy it is to throw the towel in and give up, you are more likely to do that. And I believe sometimes we treat the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, like it's for our disposal. And we're like, oh, I'll go to this church or maybe I'll go to that church. And if they do that, and if the pastor does this or if they have this or I'll, they have that. And, and, and we do this. And I believe that the Lord's, anyone who's under the sound of my voice, I believe that the challenge for us is to commit. Commit. I'm in. If Pastor Steve says something, I'll send him an email. <laughs> Actually, no, I'll take him out to coffee. And I'll pay. <laughs> if, I, if I believe that there's somebody in the body who's offended me, I'm not going to just leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to them in love and lay my life down and serve them by handling conflict biblically. If I get bored, I will recognize that there's something wrong with myself and that I need to get on my knees and pray and not say the church isn't feeding me. Listen, if you feel like you're not getting fed and you're not serving, it's not because you're malnourished. It's because you're overnourished. You need to burn some calories by serving. Show up. Play hard. Don't quit. Commit. Show up. Everybody say it with me. Show up. Play hard. Don't quit. Commit. Here's the promise as we end this morning. Our Heavenly Father has committed to us already. He's given us all things. Friends, we have the greatest mission ever given to humanity. Greater than Lieutenant Mike Crowley diving underneath heavy cloud coverage to to, to advance 20 men as they captured a a high-value target. We have the greatest mission, and it's that we would submit our 
desires, our will, our comfort in order to advance the mission of the body of Christ. To go where churches haven't gone, to reach people who have never heard the truth of the gospel. You and I have been given a mission to do what only we can do in this city. And my prayer is that we would accomplish and live that out by showing up, playing hard, not quitting but committing. Can you stand to your feet this, this morning? Father, I know that on this Father's Day, you want us to meet with you, to be with you, but you desire to do so much more, if we could even imagine it. God, I know that there are some of us in this place who are struggling with this message. Right now, I, I believe maybe the, the Holy Spirit is is doing his beautiful work of conviction. That's, that's a very normal thing. If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you, you should be worried. Honestly. If the Holy Spirit no longer convicts you, you should be worried. So let's just be honest and open. Holy Spirit, convict us. If there's an area in my life that I'm not showing up in, If I'm compromising, if I'm choosing comfort and entertainment over being in the presence of God, meeting with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, forgive me. Lord, if, I, if I'm coming just to consume and, and take a space, because we've all been guilty of that. Friends, I believe we can do better than 25% of our church serving. Which, by the way, if we were to look at a national average, we're actually ahead. We're above average as a church. But I believe God wants us to be greater than average. So, praise the Lord, our church is above average when it comes to serving. But but if we are going to support the increase He desires to bring, we got to do better than 26%. If you're not on a serve team, we need you. We need your talent. We need your insight. We need your intellect. We need your wisdom. We need your prayers. Show up. Play hard. Father, if there's an area that we have yet to commit, maybe we are inclined to be quitters. Maybe that's all we've seen. Maybe we've only seen people walk out on us, so that's all we know. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus and say, help us become those who commit. Help us be those who, who don't cut ties and run, but who stick around, weather the storm of life, and allow the Holy Spirit to drive us deeper. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's worship him. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.